Welcome to Season 2 of Fracktown Gumshoe, Holy Fits, based on the novels by Deborah Gaskill. Chapter 16 Where's Reisner? I demanded. The gun barrel jabbed harder into the back of my head. I said, where's Reisner? What'd you do with him? What happened to you? You had to go ask questions, didn't you? You had to call him, tell him I was here, didn't you? Jesus Christ, Fiona, what did you expect? I asked, exasperated. That SOB was waiting for me at the hotel room when I... When you got back from your jaunt to pretty up Mary Margaret, you've got her conned into joining that goddamn cult, haven't you? You haven't let go of that idiot hostage rescue idea, have you? Turn here, Fiona ordered, ignoring my question. What are you doing, Fee? Where are we going? You ask one more question and I'll blow your fucking head off. Head to your house. I pulled into the driveway a minute later and shut off the excursion. I reached for my seatbelt. Stop. You touch your gun and I'll kill you. She knew me too well. My hand slowly returned to the steering wheel. Fiona stepped from the back seat and looked around to see if anyone was watching. Satisfied my overeducated neighbors were either indoors for the evening or downtown at gallery night, she motioned for me to get out of the SUV. I complied. I put my hands in the air. If we lived back in New Tivoli, folks wouldn't be trying to impress each other at some downtown to-do. They would be outside working their vegetable gardens or sitting on their front porches, calling to each other to come share a glass of Dago Red as the sun went down. They sure as hell wouldn't be wandering around F-Town sidewalks or in and out of artist studios trying to impress each other. Fiona would never get away with this stunt because they'd all want to know why I was walking to a house with a woman other than my wife. Turn around, up against the vehicle. She frisked me quickly and professionally, finding my cell phone and keys, along with the Glock inside my jacket and the car around my ankle. She shoved everything into the pockets of a black hoodie she wore. Inside, hands down. She linked one arm with mine, her other hand pressing the gun against my side. Once inside, she pushed me into the kitchen and onto a chair. Still holding the gun on me, she pulled two large zip ties out of her pocket. Put your hands behind your back, she ordered. I complied and felt the thick plastic cut into my wrist as the zip tie drew them together and around one of the chair spindles. You're wasting your time with these. You know any cop or perp worth his salt can get out of these damn things if they try hard enough, I said. I know. Another zip tie attached my leg to the kitchen table. She pulled it tight and I winced. I'm giving you an alibi. When they find your vehicle and your guns at the Abbey, she didn't finish. What do you mean? She smiled crookedly. By the time you get out of these things, everything should be over at the Abbey. Fiona, don't. Think about your career. I heard her laugh behind my back and tried another tack. How'd you get into my car? She came from behind me and smirked. She crossed her arms, still holding her service weapon. In addition to the black hoodie she wore, the matching sweatpants were dirty and torn. One knee was ragged and bloody and her running shoes were stained with grass and mud. At least I thought it was mud. You were stupid enough to leave your door unlocked when you were at Mary Margaret's door. I just slipped in and covered myself with a pile of blankets and old workout gear you have in the back seat. You really need to wash that stuff, Fitz. My God, it stinks. What did you do with Mary Margaret? 
Did you convince her to go back to the Abbey and convince St. Giles she wanted to join? Fiona smirked. Of course not. Why would I put a civilian into that kind of danger? I'm not that crazy, despite what you've been told. Mary Margaret and her mother were given explicit orders to go to Millersburg, find some cabin or hotel to stay at, and spend the weekend there. What about Reisner? What happened to him? You really want to know? I'll tell you. He was waiting in the lobby of the hotel room when I got back from taking poor, homely employee of yours shopping. Reisner said you called him after I showed up at your office. I did. I don't deny that. He told me the whole story about how your husband died and how he took you out of the field and put you into financial crimes for your own good. My own good? My own good? Jeff Kovach kills my husband and I'm supposed to step back and let somebody else chase him down? That's not the whole story and you know it. Reisner told me they couldn't determine whose bullet killed Mark. That forensics were iffy. You don't want Kovach in order to avenge the murder of your husband. You want him dead because he could tell the truth that you were the one who really shot him. Shut up, Fitz. That's not true and you know it. Is it, Fiona? It was an accident, wasn't it? You didn't mean to. I know you wouldn't. Hell, you saved my life once. You could shoot the snot out of a hummingbird's nose at a hundred feet. But shit happens in this business. You know that. You told me yourself it happened in a small room, in a cathedral. Bullets could have been ricocheting off of anything, especially if the walls were stone. Why not step back and let the investigation take its course? Because I've worked too hard to get here. I can't let one fuck-up ruin my career. Do you know the whispers I heard? The rumors? You know cops talk. Hell, if anybody knows how cops talk, it's me. They're worse than my teenage nieces sometimes. But you've got to let the investigation take its course. You'd be exonerated. I know you would. Where's Reisner? I repeated. What happened to him? Fiona smirked. He's dead. You didn't. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. But his car is in a ditch on eastbound Route 30. I'm sure the fire's been put out by now. Your coroner's probably on the scene, too. There's still an awful lot of dumb farm boys in this county who would give a good-looking woman a ride to town without asking a whole lot of questions. You're going to ruin your career, Fee. You can't do this. Accidentally plugging my own husband won't ruin my career? Like I said, let the investigation take its course. Let the FBI take Kovach alive and let him tell his side of the story. You're too good of an agent for them to hang you out to dry. You believe that? With the attitude about law enforcement today? Not to mention the fucking politics inside the FBI. Agents, especially female ones, can't make a move without somebody trying to smear them from the inside or the outside. You don't think that given the first chance, Kovach wouldn't say that I was the one who fired the gun that killed Mark? That his family or idiot followers wouldn't put up a blog or a website or some fake video reconstruction on YouTube that doesn't make him look like some poor, beleaguered saint who's been smeared by some crazy bitch agent? I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen. Fiona, please, don't do this. Whatever you do. Shut up, Fitz. Just shut the fuck up. She raised the gun butt and brought it down hard. Pain shot through my skull, and the lights went out. The side of my head throbbed as the dark receded from my brain and sunset's red-orange rays seeped through my kitchen windows and into my eyes.
Mozart the cat rubbed up against my restrained leg. Except for him, I was alone. I needed to get free of these zip ties. I needed to get to that abbey. Or get the cops out there before Fiona killed Kovach. Or anyone else. I might already be too late. But I still had to try. I struggled against my restraints, hoping my body heat alone would let my wrists slide from inside the thick ties. The butcher block full of knives was pushed nearly to the backsplash next to the stove. And how could I reach it anyway? I scanned the kitchen table. Maybe something sharp was within reach I could use to cut myself free. Nope. My affinity for unhealthy takeout while Gracie was gone left nothing but paper plates and napkins on the table. Same thing in the kitchen counter. No dirty dishes. No dirty utensils. The kitchen table itself was one of the antiques Gracie already had in the house before we got married. Heavy and plain. It was wooden had a drawer on the opposite end from where it was tethered. The likelihood I could break the table leg I was tied to was slim. The chairs were flea market mismatches that Gracie brought home. They'd never been repainted. She liked the effect that the unpainted wood and the rough edges brought into the room. I rocked side to side in the chair, listening to it squeak and moan. Pushing my arms slightly away from my back, I moved my wrists up and down the spindle I was tied to, feeling the zip tie catch on a long, rough spot, the kind of sliver that snagged my shirt when I sat down. Could this do it? I pushed my arms back even more, rubbing the tie against the sharp edge, feeling it catch, then slide, catch, then slide. I needed to somehow grab the sliver of old raw wood and by pushing and rubbing, enlarge it until it either cut the zip ties or broke the spindle. If the zip ties or the spindle didn't break, maybe my effort would warm and stretch the ties so I could slide my hands out. I worked frenetically knowing that Fiona was probably already out at the abbey and deep down knowing I was already too late. Kovach was most likely already dead or worse, Eileen O'Connor was too. At least Mary Margaret and her mother were safe at some Amish cabins. I hope. How could Fiona do that? How could she go off the rails so seriously that she wanted to commit murder? This wasn't the woman who saved my life, who jumped into more dangerous situations and kicked more ass than any male officer I ever worked with. I rubbed the ties against the wood, more rapidly this time, pushing as I moved. Sweat began to roll down my face and down my arms. Pain tore through my shoulders. My raw wrists were beginning to bleed. The plastic began to stretch. My wrists stopped sharply as the zip tie caught into the splinters enlarging split and the wood started to give. The wood cracked loudly, slicing open the zip ties and freeing my hands. I stood, shaking my raw wrists, still tied to the table leg. Dragging my leg and the table beside me, I took a few short steps to the counter and grabbed a knife from the knife block. A quick swipe and I was free. I found Gracie's kitchen first aid kit and quickly taped some gauze around both wrists. No time to waste. I ran to the front yard and stopped short. My excursion was parked in my driveway, in spite of Fiona's threats to take it. I threw open the driver's door. My keys lay on the seat. My Glock and my car were in the glove compartment, with my cell phone. What the hell is going on? If she was alone in her quest to go after Kovach, she would have needed my vehicle to get to the Abbey. Wasn't that the thought of hijacking me from Lupe's place? 
And if she wanted me blamed for his death, as she threatened, she would have left my guns at the scene. Who else was involved in this mess? If Reisner was dead and Fiona killed him, as she implied, she could be walking into a barrage of bullets at St. Matilda's, either from Kovach, following my confrontation with him at Lupe's, or from the agent's stationed there. I knew Fiona. She was forced into a confrontation with agents stationed at the Abbey. She wouldn't be taken alive. They'd have to take her down. Could Mary Margaret have taken Fiona to the Abbey? She was the person who would be naive enough to buy into Fiona's story. But she'd promised me and Fiona that she was headed up to Holmes County for the weekend away with her mother. They both wanted Eileen out of that convent in the worst way. But Bridget was the first person to bring up the idea of an extraction. I didn't quite buy anybody's stories. They were too complicated, too involved. As a cop, I knew the simplest story was most likely to be the most true. I thought about all the dumb excuses I'd been given as a cop. The drugs were planted by some mysterious Cuban. The kid or the wife or the elderly old lady fell down the stairs. A deer ran in front of me when I tried to avoid hitting a tree. It's a spilled bottle of rubbing alcohol that you smell, officer. No, you just bought the dope from the asshole down the street. You're the one who beat your wife or your kid or your mother. And even I know Stoli doesn't make rubbing alcohol. No, I'd been lied to by too many people. And the more I thought about it, the more I knew I needed to get to St. Matilda's. We hope you're enjoying Fracktown Gumshoe. If you are, please tell a friend. Hit that subscribe button and leave a review. When you leave a review, you raise our visibility so more folks can find us. Thanks. This episode is narrated by Casey Martin. Fracktown Gumshoe is based on the novels by Deborah Gaskill.